The Conquest of Bliss, a podcast about finding light in the darkness. This episode was produced by Cabby Productions. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Conquest of Bliss. I am here with Angel. How are you today, Angel? I'm great. Thank you. That's how, that's you? how you pronounce it, right? Angel? Yes, perfect. That is fantastic. So do you want to tell me a little bit about what, uh, what makes Angel, Angel? Oh, wow. <laughs> I never had that question before. Well, I can tell you what I do or my life here. I'm a medicine man and I live on the land in the Catskills, upstate New York. Uh, we have a shamanic healing center and land and we practice ancient ways, uh, nature-based practices and yeah, old spiritual ways, I would say. So that's pretty much who I am, I guess. <laughs> that is fantastic. But that wasn't always the way that you saw yourself, right? You started off no, in a very different world. There were some turns, definitely. <laughs> so can you tell us a little bit about who you were before the shamanic healing practices and all of that? Well, I trained as a vet. Uh, that's my original background. So I was a doctor for animals uh, <laughs> for many years. And uh, I practice uh, mainly with what we call large animals. So cows and things like that, farm animals. Okay. Uh, okay. And then I went to work in the private sector, uh, started my own businesses on the internet. So I would say I spent around 20 years of my life in that first career or second career. <laughs> and then at a big uh, falling apart, I guess, uh, <laughs> dismantling of all my belief system and what I've learned and all of that and started to uh, learn from the plants, learn from nature learned from my elders and my teachers from very different uh, wisdom, I would say, and uh, things that I've learned in my vet school or in the business world. And would you say that there is a lot of crossover between natural healing and um, what you might call uh, allopathic or Western medicine? Is there much crossover there? I mean, there's definitely crossover. I think they both looking at uh, the body and the mind and sometimes even the spirit, uh, <laughs> but from a very different angle, you know, with uh, modern science and what I call ancient science. So mm -hmm. I, I think, you know, what really called me into it, aside from my own personal uh, transformation and, and needs at the time, uh, was that I wanted to have a more holistic uh, way to look at human being, health uh, and spirituality and how do this, all of that come together, not just from one angle of science, that we are just a chemical reaction. And if we have pain in our stomach, it's because we have too much acid or things like that. <laughs> but what's really happening? You know, why, why in the first place it's happening to me and not to my neighbor that maybe has the same diet and the same lifestyle. So be more interesting in this holistic approach and, and what people used to do for thousands and thousands of years before modern science came. But, you know, I'm not dismissing modern science at all. You know, it can be very useful. Uh, if you break your legs, I always tell people, don't come to see me. <laughs> it's probably better. Yeah, that's what my dad but, always says too. Yeah, but but I can definitely support and, you know, the healing of, of the legs, you know, once it's fixed and uh, 
once you've been x-rays and all of that by plants and other ways that can help you. And I think for chronic disease and depression and anxiety and many things that addiction, many things that our society is facing today are way better served by ancestral healing very often than just traditional, what we call, you know, modern science or that, mm -hmm. but they can work very well together too. So, you know, it's uh, just knowing when to do Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Like they work well in tandem with one another. My, my dad always says that, uh, that allopathic, I don't know. He always calls it allopathic. I don't know if that's the right term, but Western, yeah, the term. <laughs> <laughs> Western medicine is very, very good at emergency medicine, um, like reparative, like things like you mentioned, broken bones or like physical traumas, very good with that. Whereas if you're looking at, um, you know, solving the underlying issues, then that is the, I don't like the word alternative, but the, the ancient, ancient medicines, as you, as you mentioned, really fall into that. And, and one of the things that you said is, is you talked a little bit about spirituality. And I would say that's probably the biggest the biggest piece that uh, that mm -hmm. modern medicine is missing is this we just completely ignore this huge part of every being which is our spirit our soul you know and i think some people think that our emotions and our spirit are the same thing and i don't know if i necessarily necessarily agree with that um Go ahead. Yeah, and it's, I think it's mainly you know, trying to understand how people are really doing. You know, how are you doing today and what's happening really in your heart and how is your spirit feeling? I mean, even if you believe or not, you know, in, in spirit as a spiritual person would talk about, but, you know, how are you in your, your heart today? You know, if someone is dealing with a cancer and is going through chemotherapy and maybe is afraid of dying and things like that, there is sometimes a lot of things that are not fully addressed uh, about that person's well-being uh, that could be very useful to be addressed through different ways sometimes. And and so I have I have a question for you. Is um, Would you say that now that you have taken this more holistic approach, would you say that you are a happier person, more at peace? I'm definitely much more grounded, much more centered, uh, much more at peace with myself. Uh, have more clarity. Uh, doesn't mean it's always clear. <laughs> doesn't mean I don't experience <laughs> confusion or any of the range of human emotion. You know, it's, it's not really about uh, just feeling just happy all the time or clear all the time or things like that. Absolutely. It's more being at peace with the range of human emotion, which is very different. I think many people embark sometimes on a spiritual path, obviously, because they feel miserable or they're sick or, you know, whatever they've tried before in an allopathic way. It's not working for them anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, it's not really a path where we're trying to be some kind of awakened Buddhas or walking Christ around, mm -hmm. uh, you know, but we're definitely trying to carry that mentality, that kind of feeling, but we're not immune from life, you know, from experiencing heartbreaks, from experiencing sometimes depression and sadness and grief and anger and all the range of emotion. But we maybe have tools that are helping us to process that more easily and not beat ourselves and, you know, really spiral down to places where we arm ourselves to addictions or, you know, what, whatever we're doing to avoid the pain. Absolutely. That makes sense to me. Um, and, and, and that's something that I believe very strongly as well is it's, I think happiness is about learning to navigate the difficult emotions and learning to truly embrace the positive emotions. And, and, you know, I mean, I think that there's a lot of beauty in our, in our difficult emotions and they teach us a lot of things. So I wouldn't, I would never want to get rid of them. 
Yeah, um, I agree with that. So, so can you tell me just like a little bit about what what sparked the change? You said you said you wanted a more holistic approach. So, what was the first thing that brought that into your um, awareness that there was a whole, more holistic approach? Well, it, it was really through my life experience where I was, you know, running my own business mm-hmm. uh, at the time, and. I was quite successful on the metrics of society. Let's mm-hmm. say. So, you know, I grew my company, I had a lot of employees, <clears throat> raised a lot of money for it. Uh, you know, there is difficulty in that. It's not like it was every time always easy or, you know, peaceful. Uh, but as I was progressing in my career, that type of ways, uh, there was something that was not fulfilled inside of me. And there was definitely addictions and drinking and, you know, ways of behaving that I didn't really like about myself. And there was definitely a big void inside, mm-hmm. something that was not being filled. And I, I kind of felt after, you know, it took me a while, you know, I'm a bit slower learner sometimes, <laughs> uh, you know, but after 10 or 15 years and I was like, well, I, I got a bigger apartment and, you know, I'm living with someone I really love and I'm making money and, but I was just not happy. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the truth is, if I really slow down and sit with myself, something was missing. And I had no idea what it was. Oh, I'm going to go into those ways and that's going to transfer. That is really missing. That is, and I didn't want 70 years old at some point. I wanted to look back and say, you know what? I was courageous enough at some point to make a big change in my life and seek something different. And that was not, you know, easy. And there was definitely many steps to it. There's still many steps to it. You know, it's a never ending quest, I think. Uh, but definitely, uh, I feel like I really belong in my body, that I belong in my life, that what I'm doing has a lot of sense. And I feel much more connected not only to myself, but to other people in a way that I've never experienced with all my previous, what I would call successes, but mm-hmm. they, were not, they were not human successes. They were society successes or they were, you know, like awards type of business award successes and things like that. But they, they didn't touch me in the way things now touch me. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, just, you know, we lagged just a little bit there. So I'm going <clears> to, <throat> sorry, I'm, uh, I'm going to just ask a, uh, because I'm not sure, I, I didn't catch. So what was the first the first uh, of these modalities that you came into contact with? I'm not sure if you answered that or not because it lagged a little. No, so. not really. I, I think um, the first modality was really meditation. Yeah. Uh, and yoga. That's how it started. I met an amazing um, yoga teacher. Uh, was quite, you know, in her 70s at the time. Wow. And... Uh, that was a disciple of a famous Indian guru that passed away a while ago now, a long time ago. And she was, she is still uh, very deeply into the Advaita Vedanta, so the Vedic scriptures mm-hmm. and uh, that type of teachings. And a yoga class was more than a yoga class. It was really teachings. It was really learning wisdom. And there was something much more profound there. Mm-hmm. And I was really attracted to that, to the wisdom that was there beyond just me making some movement and body position on my yoga mat. 
And she was also a meditation teacher. And I started taking a, a training with her for many years uh, to learn meditation. And, you know, all her training are very long, five to 10 years. You know, you don't become a yoga teacher with a, <laughs> uh, just with a one year and uh, 200 hours. You know, it was really a deep dive into self-transformation. And that really started to open doors into my heart, making sense, kind of reconnect me to myself and answer big question, like the big question of who am I? You know, that's the big question yes. he has, you know, what I'm here for, what is this life about? Where I'm coming from, where am I going? And, you know, all the big question that I think any human being uh, always asks itself at some point, what does this make sense? You know, what, what is the sense of it all? Um, and that was my dive into spirituality. So it started that way. And then the plants, uh, the plant world, the shamanic, uh, wisdom and teachers started coming into my life. I started to participate into plant medicine ceremonies. I started meeting elders and people walking those ways, and I fell in love with it. You know, there it's was hard not to. <laughs> yeah, there was something very deeply appealing there uh, because I don't know. It just made more sense. You know, there was just something inside of me that that was it. You know, that, that that would answer any question I would have. I had no idea what I was embarking into. You know, I had no idea I would do what I'm doing today. Uh, but I started, you know, participate to ceremonies and go to Peru and meeting Native American teacher here and teacher in South America. And things unfold, I would say, step by step. Uh, and everything started to connect. You know, everything started to make more sense. <laughs> And clarity arise, and then step by step, I think by walking those ways, and my path appeared. But I didn't know where it was going. I still don't know where it's going. You know, we never know <laughs> where it's going. I think, <laughs> but I just try to take the most mindful next step into what is present today. You know, what's alive in my heart, what I'm called to do, which is walking on my land, or building my garden, or you know, walking with my bees, or uh, oh, you're into apiary. Like you're, you're an apiarist as well? Yes, yes. I have many beehives here and I'm quite fascinated by bees and, you know, they're full of wisdom and yeah. They're, they're so bees. cool. I love bees too. <laughs> um, so I have a question about um, the word shaman because I think that maybe I misunderstand what the word means. For the longest time, I understood shaman to mean like a uh, combination between guide and teacher. Um, but it seems like maybe it's specific to plants. Uh, it's not specific to plants. No, uh, it's not really the, the word shaman is, is coming from, uh, Eastern Russia, you know, Mongolia and this part of the world. So it's not okay. a, a word that's traditionally used in North or South America. It came later on, you know, more, very much more recently. Okay. And the translation, the best translation of it in the language, uh, it's coming from, it means the one person that see in the dark that can see the dark or oh. see in the dark and it's it's a beautiful bridge into what does it mean seeing what we don't see you know if it's not in absolutely. the light absolutely is it about seeing darkness uh so seeing you know the things that we call darkness because the dark doesn't mean it's dark in the sense that it's bad uh but more but like it's a it's ability to see what maybe people that don't have the training or don't walk those ways can see i don't use personally that term you know i use the term medicine man because that's the one used by my teachers and that's mm -hmm. the one that um i've been given 
by my teachers and they say that's the way you can call yourself and I'm very mindful of not using other terms and very often from what I understand is that that term anyway is not a term that you use for yourself it's the way people call you in your yeah. community in your tribe or traditionally or people call you that way but you know you're not using it that way so you know it's kind of a type of priest you know so it's people that work with spirituality that are connected to a community that work with their community it's a work of service towards others for me that's yeah. the priority of it is you dedicate your life to supporting other people transformation and healing and in certain places in the world uh, south america north america africa asia you know people work with plants that's one of the modalities that is used uh, but not always you know sometimes they just work with a drum and the drum is really sometimes way more key than a plant that makes sense that makes sense resonance is huge um so yeah so like i mean when you say um someone who sees in the dark do you mean like what i'm what i'm thinking and just clarify maybe and 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 i totally understand what you mean about it's not a name you give yourself it's a name that others give to you um <clears throat> sorry about that uh so the uh the question i have when you say people who see in the dark what what i'm hearing is people who can sort of see beyond the veil the things that are hidden from us mm-hmm. um because because there's so much, <laughs> there's so much that we have hiding reality from us. So many rules and, you know, things that we've been taught that don't really make sense. Like you said about the successes of society versus the successes of man really makes sense to me because that's part of a structure that we build to, it, it almost feels like it's, I don't know that it was intentional, but it almost feels like it's intentional to hide reality from us, which is interesting. Yeah. I don't know about that. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'd, it's not something for me that uh, resonate. I would say, you know, that I, for myself, just for myself, Absolutely because fair. I believe there is different level of realities and each of them bring wisdom. Mm-hmm. And in shamanic tradition, you really, to make it very simple, uh, we talk about different world and there's the underworld, the middle world and the upper world. Okay. And the middle world, it's like the trunk of the tree and the root of the tree and the branch of the tree. So there's three parts to a tree and there's three parts to our world. That's the image of the tree of life. Uh, that's what it represents. The trunk of the tree is the middle world. That's where we are in right now. As we okay. talk, that's us as this incarnation, as human beings, as the world, you know, the living. Uh, that's the world that's very important because that's the world we choose. So that's mm-hmm. the primary world. It's very important. Yet... There is unseen world or world that maybe we don't see with our eyes that we see differently mm-hmm. or that, that we don't see because we all see it. We all have a connection to it. We're all moved by it. Mm-hmm. And that bring a different type of wisdom, a different angle to it. And the underworld with the spirit animals and, you know, this connection under the ground and into the earth and the upper world to spirit guides and, you know, ascended masters and star beings and other things. Um, and it can come to us through intuitions and what we call wisdom. It can come to us in dreaming. It can come to us in shamanic ceremonies, you know, when we drum or when we do vision quests or when we do any kind of practices where we step, like you said, you know, the veil become more thin and then we see behind the veil. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's very important, uh, at least in shamanic work, it's very important to be very grounded into our bodies. Mm-hmm. It's not an escape. 
uh, people that escape and just try to use, oh, this reality, the middle world is not good and the upper and the under is, is what I want, your, your life is going to be a mess because you're trying to be either an angel or a spirit animal or whatever, but it's not what you are. You are a human being in a body. So the middle world and the incarnation and the body and being connected to that world, staying engaged with the world, either painful, dramatic, and, you know, heal it is. <laughs> That's why we're here. We're here to heal that. We're not here to escape. We're not here to just... So we use, you know, the, the wisdom from the three world, and that is informing our actions our prayers, as I prefer calling them, as that... we walk this life. Because that ceremony of life, me being alive, is a ceremony, since I'm born until I die in that body, is a primary ceremony. All the other ones that we do with plants or with our drums and all of that, they are accessories, they are side ceremonies, but to honor the primary ceremony, which is my life. And if I see my life as a ceremony, Therefore, my respect and my understanding and my capacity to really dive deeper into this body, into those emotions, into this crazy world we're living in, <laughs> then I can learn to love myself and I can learn to love that world and not judging it and not pointing fingers and not trying to find anybody responsible for what's happening to me. You know, trying to really take accountability and then walk from that place. And that's not denying perpetrators that's not denying there is racism that's not denying that obviously there's people that act you know from places of deep wounds uh, and deep you know um, attack on each other but we believe that if we can access wisdom from all those part of us because I'm part of me is in the underworld a part of me is in the upper world a part of me is a spirit but a part yeah. of me is a body then I might be able to walk in a more balanced way so it's all about balance. It's not refusing this incarnation going somewhere else. And it's not either being just in that incarnation as a physical being and seeing or thinking that's it. There's nothing else. So we're trying to be much more heart open so we can walk with a little bit more wisdom. That's you know? that's very cool. And I really I really like the way that you explained it. And um so so help me help me make sure that I understand what you said about um, like a lot of people, you know, and, and I, I probably fall into this category, um, reach out for something that, that is beyond our physical realm, um, you know, and, and maybe we're reaching a little too hard, um, <laughs> you know, and, and it becomes difficult to become grounded. And, and it's interesting because I actually had a conversation about this very recently, about one of the struggles with learning mindfulness and learning to, you know, observe the mind, like, you know, some of the practices that meditation helps us with so that we can feel more comfortable in our bodies. One of the struggles that I have in relation to that is, is sense of self and feeling like I am grounded within my body, you know, like, like, because it's a dichotomy, right? Like both exist. Like I can observe from, from a secondary point of view and I can also be in my body and experiencing and part of mindfulness is doing that. But it can be hard when you learn how to take that space um, to to really feel solidly. Does that make sense? Am I making sense to you? Yeah, and the only <laughs> reason the only reason for that is because we carry trauma in our bodies, in the physicality of our bodies. So if anything happened to you in this lifetime that was quite traumatic, or maybe a repeti repetition of small trauma, 
or maybe your parents were very loving, but you know, sometimes they just told you to shut up and just stop crying or, you know, just be a good girl, <laughs> be a good boy. Uh, you know, all those things, they are, you know, held as body tensions and they are held in part of our bodies. And very often our incapacity to feel grounded and to feel we belong in our life is because there is parts of our bodies that we don't want to feel, that have been isolated, that have been pushed away. And very often those parts are very young. They are four-year-old, five-year-old, seven-year-old. You know, they happen when we were little. Mm -hmm. So here you have a part that isolated itself because it was not allowed, because it was suffering. That self-isolated itself to protect you. So, yeah. you know, fall into a deep, you know, PTSD trauma. And sometimes, you know, the way to isolate it is to drink, is to take drugs, you know, is to avoid being in the physical reality and just talk about ascending master all day long. Mm -hmm. And everything is in that vibration. There's so many ways we avoid it, very smart ways. <laughs> because our mind is going to build a story, a narrative that reinforces the trauma suppression. Mm -hmm. So we can function. So it's a natural ability we have to function through life and not throw ourselves by the window, you mm -hmm. know, or feeling too much pain in our bodies. And when body's in the trauma, the body's going to numb itself. So we're not going to even feel it, whatever it is. And very often, spirituality could be a way to bypass that. Yeah. And it's so well designed that you would not know you're bypassing it. So what can you someone... Have some you might have some symptom of it, like, a you know, I train in trauma. So as a trauma therapist, someone that can, that can maybe feel is like, oh, if that person is doing that, I know in the way she talks or he talks or in the way he behaves, I know there's something he or she doesn't want to feel in her body. And that body doesn't feel like home. We don't belong, which is we're not going to belong into the world. We're going to reject the world. But... This is aberration in spirituality. God is every person you meet, mm -hmm. every relation. A tree or a dog is like every human being. It's just an expression of the creator. So if I feel separation and if I feel a lot of anger, if I feel something, I know there's something in me that's pushing that away. And that is in my body. That is not, I can get guidance from spirits about it, but very often body practices like breath work or other type of practice are going to give you way more insight on your trauma than sitting in plant medicine ceremony, you know, hundreds of times. And both are useful, you know, obviously this, that's part of yeah. my work, you know, <laughs> do that. But very often, yeah, people just don't want to be in those bodies. So would you say, would you say that breath work is, is a way, like, because the thing, the trap I'm seeing, maybe trap is the wrong word, but if, if we have hidden these traumas from ourselves in order to protect ourselves, how can someone seek it out to rectify that? Well, nobody can seek it out for you, but no, I mean personally for ourselves. As a person, as a person, well, there is practices, there is ways, and from body practices to more modern psychotherapy and emotional practices embedded in ancient wisdom, to purely spiritual practices, contemplation, uh, you know, like some type of meditation. Uh, each of them are going to allow you to bring that part back in. Because as long as this is isolated, first, it's calling the shot in your life. Mm -hmm. It's running your, all your life. It's running your relationship. It's running the way you feel about yourself, the way you feel about your parents, the way you feel about your president. It's just all of it. It's going to run, <laughs> it's going to run all of it. So first, you need to like, we need to humble ourselves and say, okay, I'm not in control. Something is controlling me here. 
and have a deep desire to get to know this part because we're not doing a work to really heal it in the sense, I want that to stop. No, I'm doing it because I'm curious. Mm-hmm. Because I want to belong. I want to bring back my little boy, my five-year-old. Mm-hmm. I want to bring back my 12-year-old so they can really feel safe. And once they feel safe, I'm going to feel so different in my life. The world is going to look different. My relationship with my partner or my parents or my friends is going to shift. And that's the goal. We're not doing it really to save ourselves. I mean, even if it's what's happening, we're doing it because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. Because that's what we're here for. You know, (laughs) we're not here to be an angel. That's welcome. We will back into spirit world at some point. But right now, we've chosen to be in a body. Yep. And that's the play. That's the game in the middle world. Why not forgetting where we're coming from, where we're going? Not forgetting the big picture. So it's very, you know, it's like this balance. And that's what we, that's the middle way of the Buddha. That's a red road for Native American. You know, it's like walking this middle way, which is a path of balance. And when we're very extreme one way or another, either completely gone into the spirit world, or like completely just in the physicality and in money and in the product, and there's no spirit and there's none of that, well, we are going to get sick in our mind, in our body. Yeah, we really need both. We need both. That's uh, that's very cool. I really, I think that you are uh, very skilled at wording these things so that they're easy to understand. Well, thank you. Well, I, you know, I, it's my passion, you know, for myself, <laughs> you know, because I'm fascinated by it. Sometimes realizing something. Oh, I'm 46, and there's something I just discovered about myself that's been calling the shot for 46 years that I didn't know about. Yeah, it's, that's scary to me. I was sometimes just say like, it's scary, right? <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, it's like amazing. It's like an adventure, you know, it's, it's like Indiana Jones going into a temple, you know, that in the forest and he's super scared because he hates snakes and the spiders and he might get killed, but he's still going because he's curious, you know, there's an excitement. And for me, it's the same thing. We're adventurers of our own soul. We are going into an adventure and yes, we're going to have to slay a dragon. Yes, we are going to have to meet monsters and killers inside of us, but we cannot just sit on the side and look at our life passing by and then what this life is about eating, sleeping, going to work. That's it. <laughs> Making babies, maybe, you know, like, well, what is it about? I think you people know? love so, that one. Um. Yeah. And, and, and that's, I think that's what I love about those ways, you know, is at first they can go very well with any type of person, either you're a believer or not, either you're a Christian or a Muslim or a Jewish person or Hindu or, it doesn't really uh, in- interfere with your faith. It can really connect you to a much deeper way to our faith. In fact, that's been my experience with people in that work, uh, working with people that were deeply religious mm-hmm. that ended up somehow, I don't know how or why, but coming to ceremonies or coming to that work. And then I remember a man, you know, that came a few years ago uh, to a ceremony and he was born in a Jewish family, very religious very religious in his own life, in his early 50s. And then he told me the day after ceremony, he said, I met God for the first time. I think I finally met God in a way that I've never met. And now he's deepening his own Jewish practices, his own, you know, religious practices in mm-hmm. a way that he was not able before. And he understand the tool of his religion in a very different way. 
And that's something really profound. So you go from maybe a belief system that's running in your head, either you believe of, of God or something else or not, and that drop in your heart. And then it's really embodied, you know? And that's why I think the, the body practices and all of that is so important because we want to bring down things. That's what's happening at the moment. The planet is slowing us all down to go on the land, to go in the mother, to go in the feminine, to go into the earth, to really going down. And in shamanic tradition, the body is the earth. That's, that makes sense. That's, that's where we go. And it's a deeply feminine energy to surrender, to listen. And we all, men or women, however we define ourselves, mm -hmm. want to escape that. We want to go up. We want <laughs> to rise. We want a, an apartment on top of the building. We want more money on our bank account. We want to rise in our career. It's all that way up and rising. And here we are in the descent. And the descent is key to the shamanic path. Very key. So um, I, I just have a question for, for you know, for listeners. Um, I know a lot of people, I know like me personally, it took me a long time to figure out where where can people start? Like if we don't have access to like shamanic um, like spaces, like in like, you know, like what you do, we don't have mm -hmm. access to that. Where would be a good place for someone to start on this journey and discovering, you know, where to, where to even dig in? Well, start where you are. <laughs> <laughs> start with what's alive in you right now, either it's pleasant or unpleasant. Start maybe looking at the unpleasant things in with a different look on it. What if I love that little boy, that little girl inside of me that's screaming, that's angry, that's in pain? What if I start to love her, to love him? And start with what's around you. You know, even if you live in an apartment, I'm sure there's a park in your city. Start connecting back to the land and to nature, going for a walk. And don't look for anything. Just listen, listen. We're in a society that so want to talk and talk and talk and talk and ask questions. What about shutting up and listening? <laughs> and that's so countercultural. You know, in our culture, it's very, very like different. You know, we want to listen a lot and talk a lot. And here's yeah, what we're doing, obviously, you know, we, we're talking <laughs> to people, but uh, that wisdom only comes from deep listening. Mm -hmm. And for stopping this mind chatter, that is going to have a zillion question, but what about we leave the questions unanswered for once? Yeah. What about we leave them unanswered? Can we <laughs> sit with that discomfort? It's going to be very uncomfortable at the beginning. And if we do that often, go in nature to just listen and sit in front of a tree and you're like, maybe it's crazy to sit in front of a tree or in front of a river until I feel or hear something. But what about you do that every week for months, 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 and you see what happened? Because something will happen, I know that. Because it's talking to you. You might not be hearing it yet, but it's talking to you all the time. Because it's talking to you as it's talking to me. The river, the tree, God, loves you and care for you as much if you're the Dalai Lama or the most horrible person on the planet. It doesn't stop. It doesn't judge you. It doesn't come like, oh, that person is bad. I'm not going to. No, no. It's talking to you. Now, our capacity to listen require an open heart, require slowing down, require listening, require a relaxed body, require a lot of humility, that we don't know everything, that we might not know how to hear, we might not know what's next. That place of humility and not knowing is a beautiful place to start because it brings you back where you are right now. 
That's, oh, that, that is a better answer than I could have even hoped for. I had goosebumps and I don't know if you can tell. I, um, I, I, oh, I resonate so much. Um, especially, you know, when you mentioned, you know, it is difficult. It is uncomfortable to sit mm-hmm. in. I don't know. It's uncomfortable to just like let the questions just run wild and not try to answer them. It's, it's challenging, but I a thousand percent agree that that is, an excellent place to start and an exercise worth doing. Um, yeah, when we when we talk about God, you know, in shamanic tradition, in the prayer I use and in my tradition, we call it the great mystery. The great mystery. <laughs> so even when we practice a lot, even when we, you know, are a little bit more in those ways, not more advanced in any ways because we are all where we need to be at the moment. So there's nobody, you know, head. It's a circle. Nobody's on top in a circle. Uh, but we're still called the creator, the great mystery. <laughs> so it means that there's the unknowing, the not knowing is key in the essence of understanding God and therefore ourselves, the creator. And that's the mind. Hate it. <laughs> it really does. Like, the... What do you mean? What do you mean <laughs> not knowing? That's where I'm going to know more. That makes no sense. The mind cannot make sense of those questions and cannot find the answers. We need to be very clear with that because the mind lives in duality. Either I know or I don't know. And if I don't know, I can't know more. That makes no sense to the mind. Mm-hmm. The heart can understand that. We all know that the things that are moved by God, like love, they don't always make sense. (laughs) No, they don't. (laughs) You know, the feeling you experience right now, the feeling you might have as if you hold a baby or you look at a sunset, putting in words is going to reduce it, is going to contract it, is going to be way off what you're experiencing right now in your being. So the answer we want, we want them with words. Mm-hmm. We're going to get answer not with words, with things that are different. Yeah. With a feeling, with a direction, with a sense of knowing. And the chaos is deeply, deeply linked to the creator because that's how the universe was born. That's how it started. This big explosion. Maybe there was others before. Look at how our birth is. It's pretty chaotic. You know, babies <laughs> born, they sweat and scream and all of that. So the creator is showing us that creating us, creating ourselves or recreating ourselves every day require some kind of chaos, require some kind of surrender, require some kind of not knowing. And somehow the birth is still happening. Somehow this universe came into this extraordinary, organized, beautiful cosmos, <laughs> planet, beings, you know, yeah. and we it's don't know whether we like it or not and whether we understand yeah, exactly. it or not. It's moving <laughs> with a force, you know, it's something moving it. Well, and and the- if we want to listen from that force, we need to embody the quality it has. You know, if I want to understand a dog as a human, I need to really study dogs and look at them and listen to them and really study for years and years. And maybe I'm going to start understanding a dog and same for a tree. So here to understand God, it requires a lot of listening, a lot of listening. Well, and the beautiful thing about, um, from my experience, and correct me if, if, if this isn't yours, but the beautiful thing about learning to be okay with not knowing is I find that that drives curiosity even further. Because 
like if I'm like, okay, I can accept that I don't know, then my brain's like, okay, well, what else can we, what else can we explore and not have to know? Right? Because it doesn't... There's way more possibility. Because when we're not tied to an outcome and needing it mm -hmm. to have a, a, a straight answer, then, then it frees us in a lot of ways to, to ask more interesting questions. And, you know, whether we get an answer or not, the, the journey is in, in the curiosity. It's in the, the listening and the, the question asking. Yeah. And then the question are not answered by an answer. They're answered by another question. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's, it's more question coming. And I know it's the mind hate that obviously. And you know, <laughs> or maybe the person listening right now is like, what do you mean? And answer, a question is answered by another question. Sounds like a, someone that's doing politics, you know, <laughs> not really answering anything maybe sometime, but like, that's what's happening. You know, you have a question and you're sitting with it and why am I feeling that way and who am I and what I should do next and all of that. And then all the questions come if you sit with it. Because the who am I, you're never going to fully answer it. No. You know, the, the big <laughs> question of life, we probably never going to have the answer in our lifetime. We will have the answer at some point and we need to humble ourselves enough to be in that place and then something bigger can move through us because we're getting out of the way. This mind is getting out of the way. And then you can use the mind to act. You know, it's not like we just should be sitting in contemplation. No, we need to act. We need to do things. We need to do the right things. But then we do it from a place of more deeper wisdom, lower, mm -hmm. grounded. And grounded, you know, for some people doesn't feel like spiritual, but it's like the opposite. If I'm very, very grounded, I'm in that, my deep wisdom, like the root of the trees. Any tree before growing big branches, I mean, I planted, you know, a chestnut tree and a walnut tree, uh, like last year, those walnut trees are going to grow roots and grow as a tree for 20 to 30 years before giving walnuts. It's going to anchor itself for mm -hmm. years and years and years before it makes fruits. So for us, it's the same, you know, that descent that way down, that's slowing down, that's inner voice, however you call it, contemplation, you know, feminine energy, surrendering is very essential. So then I can rise. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a teacher that I love called Richard Rohr, R-O-H-R. -R. Yep, and Richard Rohr, he's a yeah. He's a I, Christian I, mystic <laughs> and his book is called Falling Upward. And falling upwards. And they say that's it's all about that. We're falling, but we're falling upward already. But we resist to get on our knees to pray. So we resist, you know, to listen. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually know I know quite a few people who follow Richard War. I don't know too much about him, but I was like, oh, that's cool. Um, <laughs> I uh, so I have I have one more question before uh, before we get to the end part. Um, so you've mentioned feminine energy a lot, and I hear a lot of people mention that. And and uh, I know that within each of us there is the masculine and the feminine. Um, my question though is where where does the masculine come in? Where do we see the masculine shine? Well, first I want to say that it's a lot of it is just human projection of what we call masculine and feminine. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because from the point of view of creators, there is no none of that. It's just all a big dance. And yet, you know, we identify certain energies that are more feminine, which is this surrendering, this opening, this listening, mm -hmm. that, the acting, the doing. You know, we're in very much in a doing society. We're in a mm -hmm. very masculine world. You know, we are very in the mind more than in our bodies and in our emotions. Gotcha. So in the, in my tradition, the fire is masculine. 
and the waters are feminine. Gotcha. That makes sense to me. You know, the wind is masculine and the wind is associated to the mind. Mm-hmm. And the earth is feminine and the earth is associated to your body. So we carry the same proportion, you know, and maybe our body obviously look different, but really when we say men or women, we're talking about the genitals. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, you know, <laughs> so that's quite reductive to one part of our body and maybe a certain look. And obviously there's male and female and reproductions happen that way. And, you know, we could talk about things like that, but from a spiritual perspective, yeah. Uh, yeah. Two, the two are needed to dance together to really create. That's tantra. You know, that's many mm-hmm. practices that are centered around that. Um, so, yeah, we see right now I'm in a man body, yeah. you know, but for me, tapping into my feminine is essential into my work. And in fact, the more I've done those practices, the more the feminine energy in me is opening, which is very beautiful. Yeah. And, and I mean, and then everything you just said really um, makes sense and resonates with me because I have recently been realizing that although I am in a female body, as, as, uh, as you, you, you talked about, you know, we have the physicality, but I have spent a lot of my time in the masculine kind of doing, talking, thinking type thing. And, uh, and definitely myself am wanting to learn to reconnect with, with the feminine side. Yeah, because that's the world we're living in. It's a very masculine world, you know, the feminine energy is not always welcome. Uh, You know, that's why we damage the earth, because we're not recognizing that. That's why we don't really take care of women, you know, and uh, there's something there that is not allowed. That's why there is so much uh, trauma around all that in the relationship between the masculine and the feminine. That is very, very hard for people to honor femininity in themselves. Sometimes for women and because they live in a very masculine world and for men because then they like start thinking, oh, what am I then? Like, it doesn't mean, you know, I'm gay. doesn't mean, you know, people get shame sometimes. They get different feeling and they're like, oh my God, if I feel that, does it mean I'm this? So yeah. we define ourselves through all of that, you know, and because, and then there's stories and maybe family, you know, energies around that, cultures, religions and all of that. So it can be hard for us to allow ourselves to feel fully the scope of where we are well, uh, and stop okay. defining ourselves just because of those genitals. Well, and and it's it's really interesting something that you just said made me think of um, kind of where I've been at with this with this journey. So I <laughs> um, is is I had this I guess epiphany the other day because I've been thinking about how do I access the feminine and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I realized that the reason that I am struggling so much to access my feminine is because I'm so on guard. I feel like when I don't feel safe, it's much harder to access that part of myself. And very recently, I've come to a place where I generally do feel safe, but I've spent so long feeling unsafe and living in the masculine that it's almost a default. So I think that feeling of safety and and then recognizing it too is, is for me at least going to be key in, in really pursuing that, that other, other realm. Yes. One of my tantric teachers told me years ago, and she's a woman, um, and she lives in New York. And she told me that for years, she basically, uh, was hiding her body. You know, she, when she walked in the street, she was walking very tight, you know, Mm -hmm. closing her pelvis and, you know, really not wanting to get any feminine energy out there because she didn't feel safe. Yep. 
And then she started doing Tantra and, you know, other more shamanic practices. And then she realized that, in fact, if all her feminine energy was out, but in her power, in her center, she was way more safe because nobody will touch that lion, that lioness, <laughs> you know, that goddess walking around or whatever, you know, call it. And now she, you know, she's very feminine. She's a beautiful woman. She definitely doesn't hide her being, you know, that energy, but she's fierce. Mm -hmm. That energy is not an energy, you know, like we define or it's like, oh, I'm shying away and swimming yeah. in and I have to shrink. No, it can be fierce. It can be very powerful. And that is your protection. That is really, uh, and people respect that. And in fact, men might be very intimidated by it and afraid by it because they're not used to it anymore. <laughs> yeah. They don't really know what that looks like, you know, and it might be difficult for people to, for women sometimes to really embody that. And like you said, it's because there's a lot of trauma and unsafety and all of that. But it's a possibility, in fact, to start looking at it differently. And what if that was really present? Yeah. But we might have story inside of us that prevent us to see that as powerful, to see that as safe. Mm -hmm. We might live in a place where it's not safe. Still, yeah. You know, in a family or wherever we are. So and there's a lot of work to do. Acknowledging that we can rewrite the narratives is very helpful as well. Mm -hmm. um, so before we go, is there anything you'd like to add or plug or anything like that? No, I mean, just hoping people, you know, got something out of our talk today and at least some curiosity about themselves and maybe what's moving, maybe some words that touch them. You know, if something really triggered you and you really disagree or, you know, things, I explore that. I think it's beautiful. You know, I'm not saying I carry any truth. This is just my way of working. This is just my truth for now, and they are evolving all the time. Uh, but if something feels very right and or something feels very wrong, this explores these two sides and see, you know, how much with your own experience, you know, maybe you're going to discover something about yourself. Well, at the very least, if other people didn't learn, I did. So uh, <laughs> I really enjoy it. I enjoyed it and I uh, look forward to, uh, to really sitting with some of the thoughts and the conversation and, and if uh, if and where it takes me um, on my journey. So thank you so, so much, Angel. I thank really you appreciate so you taking the time. And uh, to my listeners, I love you. Bye. 